Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. Uh, I've got a really interesting Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined by Jeff Fry on the program. Jeff is a longtime major leaguer who's been making uh, quite uh, quite a bit of noise on Twitter recently and, and has been taking a stand that's, that's kind of interesting and unique that we're definitely uh, excited to talk to Jeff about. But I'll give you a little bit of background on Jeff. If you're if you're a younger guy and, and didn't really get to watch Jeff play, it's it's always good to get a background on on someone before you listen to him, just so you sort of know who they are, where they come from. Uh, Jeff spent nine plus years in the major leagues. Uh, you know, coming up through uh, even before he exited the major leagues, he set a school record at Southeastern Oklahoma State University by hitting 452. He won the South Atlantic League batting title in the minor leagues in 1989 by hitting 314. Uh, in Venezuela, you know, in the winter leagues in 1982, he hit 385, won the batting title there. In his current, in his major league career, he hit 300 or better in three different major league seasons. He was an NAIA, an SOSU, and an Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame inductee. He is currently uh, a keynote speaker. He is also uh, an agent uh, for major leaguers and uh, in hopeful major leaguers. He's a 290 career major league hitter, 290 career batting average in the major leagues, uh, really impressive career. He spent time with the Texas Rangers, Boston Red Sox, uh, Colorado Rockies, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Jeff, I think that's all the introduction we need. I really appreciate you spending some time with us here today and looking forward to uh, what we're going to get into. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I'm looking forward to it too, buddy. So when we first reached out to you about uh, this podcast, it seems that you've done some other ones as well, but why, uh, I guess let me just ask you first with, why did you decide that you want to do the podcast? Why is this something that's so important to you that, that you want to be able to talk about uh, you know, the, what you've been doing on Twitter and, and just sort of what your objective is overall? Why, do you, why is it so important to you that you feel like you want to talk about this in any, any avenues you've got, uh, any, any type of media opportunity you, that you have a chance to, to take part in? Why is it so important for you to do this, Jeff? I think because of the, um, the people that have reached out to me ever since I started doing this, um, that, uh, you know, I think it's something that's been needed to be said for a long time. And um, I've never been afraid to speak my mind. It didn't always work out, but I, uh, I have an opinion. And I just think that, uh, you know, the state of our game and what's been going on and what's going on in youth sports with kids, and, and it needs to be addressed because I don't think we're headed in the right direction. For anyone that's not familiar that, that maybe isn't on Twitter and hasn't really gotten to see what's been going on, uh, it just, just really only in the past you know, month or so, right, Jeff? It hasn't been that long. Uh, but but Jeff has started to post things on his Twitter account where he's uh, kind, of make, kind of making a, a concerted effort to call out people that are, uh, I guess, becoming more popular on social media, guys that are talking about hitting and talking about pitching and, and, and really kind of, in their minds, changing the way that things are taught. Uh, teaching things in different ways, but also at the same time discrediting people who have who have a track record of doing different things, uh, such as Jeff, and that's what sort of led to all this. Jeff just kind of started uh, coming out and saying that, uh, I, I guess, sort of saying that people uh, that played that played in major leagues have some validity behind them and and have done some things that other people, you know, those experiences are pretty unique. Jeff played uh, first year in the major leagues was 1992. Last year in the major leagues was 2001. Um, so it's, it's been a little while since you've been there, Jeff, but uh, can you kind of just, just, just give me a little more of a background and, and what led to this? 
you know, it, was it you, you following these guys and kind of getting fed up with what you were reading, or what exactly led to you deciding that this is something that you wanted to do? Well, it was just kind of a joke, actually. A, a couple buddies of mine are scouts, and and um, we sent each other funny videos. You know, in our mind, they're funny videos of some of these things being taught to kids um, by people who really don't have any background in professional baseball. And um, just as a joke, I had my son in the backyard and said, hey, I want you to film me doing this. And uh, I said, I'm going to put that on Twitter and see what happens. I put it on Twitter, and, man, it just went crazy. And it's like over you know, 10,000 views or something like that. I never really posted anything on social media that got that much attention. And then the backlash I received from a lot of the people teaching this stuff, and it got personal, and they started bringing in my, my son's names on t social media, and it really got me fired up to, uh, you know, that something's wrong out there in, in, in the baseball world where people who shouldn't be teaching these things are and they're getting paid handsomely by parents who don't know any better because everybody's teaching that this is the certain way to hit after 150 years of professional baseball major league baseball now they've found the secret to hitting and as a former player i know that there is no secret everybody is different we're all built differently we all have different um mechanics when we swing a bat and we can you can be successful doing it many different ways you know you can watch a baseball game on tv when we get back get back to playing hopefully in the near future and you won't find two guys that hit the same so to say that everybody needs to hit this one certain way to me is a joke and and the outpouring of, of uh, the outpouring of responses i've got from guys in the baseball community former players and coaches and I mean, guys affiliated with professional organizations, scouts. I mean, it's just, it's been pretty wild. So, you know, what what a lot of these teachers, without kind of naming names, what a lot of the guys that are on Twitter that you've been arguing with, a lot of them are are saying is that is that every every elite hitter hits certain ways or does certain things, um, and you're saying the opposite. Do you think that there are any... Are there any absolutes to hitting that you feel like maybe everything is not the same, but is there something that you would find in that's very consistent, you know, from maybe a really good high school hitter all the way through a major league all-star? Is there anything in your mind that, that definitely has to happen, like any absolutes in the swing that you think that you do think need to be there for an elite hitter? Um, I don't know that there's absolutes because there have been guys, I mean, like I said before, that hit so many different ways. You know, throughout history, uh, you know, I would say the one absolute for sure is that you have to make contact. <laughs> if you don't make contact <laughs> on a consistent basis, you're probably not going to make it very far in baseball. But as far as being balanced and loaded and, and all these different things, I mean, everybody has their own triggers. Everybody is different. Um, so I can't really say other than making contact that there are any absolutes. And this is somebody, uh, for people that are listening, Jeff, uh, the most strikeouts he ever had in a major league season was 1996. He struck out 57 times, and that was in 486 plate appearances, 419 at bats. Um, only only 279 strikeouts in his career. Uh, so you know, certainly making contact was something that, that you did pretty well. Um, one of the things that I've just encountered personally, because I've been a college coach, I've coached high school for a little bit after I got out of college. Uh, after I got out of coaching college baseball and um, 
you know, I've given lessons to, to young kids as a, as a volunteer coach in college. You need to make some money, so you give some lessons. You know, to me, there's certainly a difference between, you know, what a 10 or 12-year-old should be doing compared to what a really physically mature 22, 24-year-old should be doing. Um, but, but what you see online a lot, and I have an issue with this as well, is that is people that are, that are saying, this is what major league MVPs are swinging like. This is what you should be swinging like. Do you think that they're, um, just thinking about that aspect, is it fair for someone to say, well, Mike Trout swings like this, or Josh Donaldson swings like this, or Josh, you know, um, Cody Bellinger swings like this. This is what you should be doing at younger levels. And do you think that at younger levels, before you really have the physical maturity and the strength, that there needs to be a different focus uh, or, or different goal as to you know when you're when you're at the plate, what your goal should be? Those guys in the major leagues are trying to hit the ball in the air a lot. They're they're trying to hit doubles and homers. Do you think it should be different for a young kid? That's, maybe there's a parent listening to this that's got a 12 year old at home. You know, what would you tell the parent of that 12 year old? Uh, as opposed to, you know, compared to like, this is what you're seeing major leaders doing, but this is what you should be doing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because you have young kids at home, right? No, not young anymore. My youngest is 18, about okay. to turn 19. So, but I, and I went through all that with my son and, um, you know, basically it was, you know, I, repetition, repetition, repetition. We'd go out in the backyard. And, um, basically I would say, hold your hands up and, you know, keep your eye on the ball for little kids, you know, it's, uh, and have fun. You know, if you're not enjoying this game, the kids aren't enjoying it, they're not going to want to keep playing. And that's one of the how that everybody's specializing individual sports is like, you know, they need to play baseball full time or they're never going to be able to compete. And I totally disagree with that. And um, if kids want to get better, they'll practice. They'll practice on their own. They won't sit on their phones and their iPads and their computers and play video games. They'll get outside and practice and for the young kids, I just encourage them to let them go play, go have fun. There's not one particular way to do this. Um, the guys that a lot of these video guys, a lot of these hitting guys on Twitter are using it as examples are the best of the best in the world. You know, there's one or two guys on each team um, out of 30 teams that are this elite of athletes and hitters. Um, so to say everybody can hit like this is completely false. I mean, there's only one Barry Bonds. There's only one Ted Williams. Um, and they had their own unique style, and it worked for them. And the reason, reason they were successful is they worked at it. And I think that's the biggest issue is that quit showing videos of superstars of the game and tell them a 12-year-old who weighs 80 pounds that you need to hit like this guy they won't be successful. They're not strong enough. They haven't physically matured enough. Um, and if you look throughout baseball, not everybody's a home run hitter. I mean, you know, I would if I would have tried to hit like that in my career, I would have never made it. There's no question I would not have made it because I wasn't physically gifted enough or strong enough to hit the ball out of the park very often. So I had to tailor my game to my strengths. So it was hitting ground balls, hitting line drive, bunting, moving runners over, and that's how I got to the big leagues and played as long as I did. I know a lot of the discussion now in the major leagues is that they they almost want everybody to hit the ball in the air. And, and last year there were things out there, and I don't know how much you hear about this, but there were um, just talk about the baseballs that were used last year and, and just how it was um, 
basically baseballs were flying out of the yard and you saw that with a record number of home runs and it seemed like you know guys that are that you would think would be single digit home run guys are hitting 20 homers last year there's there's a lot to that I'm sure as the game changes and, and different things in the game changes but now it seems that most major league teams want almost everybody in the lineup to be that kind of guy as opposed to still having room for the guy that can hit 300 hit 320 and, and get on base a lot and, and run and bunt a little bit. It seems like the, the game is trying to become one-dimensional. Um, what's your response to that? Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think that, it's, that, the, that the game needs to go back to kind of how it was where it you can, as a hitter, you can kind of be who you want to be? Because I guess, to me, Jeff, it seems like if, you're, if I'm in the minor leagues right now, if I'm 20 years old or 21 years old, I'm in the minor leagues, I'm almost looking at the baseball landscape and thinking, my gosh, if I don't hit the ball out of the park, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have a hard time getting getting to the big leagues, but I'm also gonna have a really hard time staying around. I mean, do, you, do you think there's any concern about that? Like, if if you're in the minor leagues right now, how are you handling that situation? Well, I don't think there was much I could have done being five nine, 165 pounds. Like I could have just turned myself into a home run hitter. I would have had to sacrifice um, making contact consistently and and hitting for a high average and. I truly believe the game is going to revert back more to what it used to be. Um, last year with all the home runs, I mean, last year had the lowest batting average, I think, in the history um, of Major League Baseball. It was under 250, the most strikeouts, the most home runs. For the first time in history, more strikeouts than hits. And people are wondering why people don't want to watch baseball. Because it's boring. Nobody wants to see teams striking out more time. You know, the guys are, the teams are striking out 14 to 18 times a game. They're getting more strikeouts in a game than this. So, you know, the sacrificing of, of, I mean, changing from trying to make contract, contact to put the ball in play to just keep your normal swing with two strikes and you got a better chance because ground balls are out. Uh, maybe statistically um, it might show that, but Anybody that's ever played this game knows that things can happen when you put the ball in play. And why, for example, does the game change in the playoffs? Why do we play more of a small ball type baseball, advancing runners, moving guys over, um, in the playoffs in the regular season? To me, I don't understand that. It's funny that you bring that up because we have a I have an analytics consultant that's contributed some content to Figured Out Baseball. He's a guy that that was uh, an analyst for the government for a while, and now he's he's a pretty young guy. He was able, uh, he created such a, a successful business, he was able to sell it and, and move his family from D.C. to uh, California. Now he's got a 14 or 15-year-old son that plays baseball and loves it, so that this guy's like, he does, he's retired and he's in his 40s. He's very, very smart. He's got some time on his hands, and he decided to kind of run some analytics, and, and somehow he and I got in touch, and he's done some studies on, major league teams and which teams win and, and how important it is to be consistent with run scoring. And what that all comes down to is basically you've got to be able to manufacture some runs by by stealing a base, you know, by bunting when necessary and doing something like that as opposed to just waiting for the, the three-run homer. And uh, and his evidence is, is so clear that the teams that they have, you have such an advantage if you can if you can be consistent with run scoring instead of scoring eight runs one day and getting shut out the next – and that all comes down to, you know, not being a one-dimensional team. Uh, Jeff, do you think 
that the rise in velocity in major leagues, and not that there wasn't velocity when you played, but the the number of guys that are throwing mid-90s or better uh, has really skyrocketed in the last couple of years. Do you think that the game has gotten to be like it is out of necessity because it's almost impossible to string together hits because these guys are throwing so hard with such good stuff? And and so the game in order, you know, these hitters in order to survive or 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 maybe the guys that run in the offense feel like the only way we're going to score a run is with a bloop and a blast or, or a, you know, a walk and a homer. It's going to be almost impossible to string together three, four, five hits. Do you think that's a, a, been a natural progression because of the arms have gotten so much better? Or do you think that it's just when when analytics started becoming a thing, when Moneyball started becoming a thing, that, that uh, the mentality of the guys kind of behind the scenes – you know, would their mentality change? So, would you think the game was was forced to kind of come to this point, or was it just some some people that are overanalyzing some things? Well, I mean, I don't think that today's players are any better than the guys that I played with and played against. I just think it's a different type of game, and um, pitchers today don't pitch anymore. They throw, they throw the ball, they try to throw it past you, and the good hitters back when I played would have loved that because all we could almost all of us hit a good fastball. It's the guys who move the ball around the strike zone, change speeds. Those were the guys that were the toughest to hit. If you look at my career, the guys I was most successful against threw the hardest. Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Mariano Rivera. I hit those guys, but the guys who were, um, you know, they like great Maddox or he's an exception to the rule, obviously, but guys who were uh, more, not necessarily finesse, but didn't have the overpowering stuff. Those are the guys that gave me the most trouble because the ball was moving a lot. And these guys in the big leagues, um, it doesn't matter how hard you throw, man. They can time it up if it's straight. And I just think that in the, when this all started with the with the analytics and, and doing all this stuff, I think that's when baseball started going downhill, in my opinion. What do you think of the of the game overall? right now you know do you think that the do you enjoy watching games like do you think that the game is still fun to watch and be around um i think there's the guys might not be better than when you play but there's certainly there's a ton of talent there's a lot of guys that are uh, that are individually a lot of fun to watch but the game itself you know what do you how do you feel about the game itself right now jeff as a guy that you're you're a major leaguer you have a different it's just you know it's like a fraternity to you you know and i'm sure that's it's the game is important to you, and the integrity of the game is important to you. Not to put words in your mouth uh, by saying that, but I don't. I, I doubt that I, I'm wrong in that. But what do you think about the current state of the game right now? I mean, I think it's pretty boring to watch. It is hard to get through a game when uh, you know all you're seeing is striking out. It's kind of frustrating to watch. Um, I truly don't believe the players today are any better baseball players, or the pitchers are any better pitchers. I think they're more physically gifted. To train year-round. We didn't train year-round. Before me, they hardly trained at all. You went to spring training to get in shape. Now these guys have personal trainers year-round. They have uh, dietitians. You know, it's a year-round deal. And when I played, it was after the season's over, you take three months off and do some hunting, fishing, playing golf, and then you start getting ready about a month before spring training. But the overall quality of baseball player I don't think is any better than when I played and pitchers granted you do see a lot of guys going hard right now but 
see a lot of guys throwing hard that can't locate a fastball or change speeds on you. So to me, it's just, you know, they're rearing back and throwing it, and these guys are seeing how far they can hit it. And to me, that's not very exciting to watch. I can't help but agree with you, and I don't know how many people listening to this podcast would agree with you and I or how many people think the game is just fine like it is, but, uh, you know, my, my my family and I have had, uh, my dad's had pirate season tickets since the 80s, you know, and uh, and I we we I live about two hours from Pittsburgh, and that's where I grew up, that's, and I live in that area again right now, and, and uh, it's just, there are a lot of games that really are kind of boring. You know, there, there was a time... I think baseball really until the last couple of years, like strikeouts are, are really exciting unless there are, you know, 25 of them in a game. And then it's just, it's not that it's just kind of just like anything else you get used to it, I guess. And, and, you know, home runs are still exciting, but when there's like nothing happening in the game and that's, that's your only excitement is occasionally a home run. Like to me, I just, uh, and maybe I'm different than a lot of people and have a different opinion, but you know, a, a three-run double is pretty darn exciting to me. You know, a two-run triple is pretty darn exciting to me. And, and to me, like, when you have a big situation, you have some guys on base and you get the big strikeout and you've got a, a pitcher coming off the mound fist pumping, like, that's the kind of stuff that, that I like and it's exciting to me. But when there's there's nobody on base, <laughs> it's just not uh, it's not, not quite the same to me. Uh, what, what would you like to see happen in Major League Baseball right now? These guys, that they're still they're talented and they're obviously physically gifted. If you If you were... Just say you were running an organization from the top down, you know, and you had a, a, uh, an opportunity to kind of, uh, I guess, ha- have hitters be what you, what you wanted them to be or, or what you thought could be better for baseball and better for their, for their careers and better for the game itself. Like, what would you like to see major league hitters doing right now as far as their approach at the plate, you know, what they were trying to do at bat to at bat? Is, is there anything that you think... Is it just that simple of an adjustment where guys just maybe have a, a different objective walking to the plate that you think could make the game a little more fun to watch and make some, make hitters a little more complete and you know really all uh, I guess in essence make an offense a better offense? Yeah, I think I mean I think you have to have a team approach. If you're coming up and you're the three-hole hitter and you've got you know a runner on second base um, and no outs, why can't you think about driving the ball the other way? Why do you have to go up there and be dead full if you're a right-handed hitter? Because you're, you know, you could hit a one hopper to second base, and the next guy hits a ground ball. We got to run, and you manufacture runs. And not saying that in every situation. Obviously, you want your best hitters. Um, you know, not not giving up anything, trying to be productive. But you know, just the the overall concept of manufacturing runs, I think, is out of the game. And you know, you get the first two guys on, second and third, um, in the first inning, and, and right-handed hitter. The one place you don't want to hit the ball is third base because you won't score a run. So why not use the home field? Those RBIs are going to add up over the season. Um, and I think guys are just too all or nothing. Players are selfish. They're worried about what their numbers are going to be at the end of the year so they can get a better contract. And, you know... Winning, the, winning is the most important thing, and not just your numbers at the end of the year where we finished in fourth place 15 games under 500 again. It's winning baseball. It's giving, taking what the game gives you. If this is a situation. This is what you need to think. I mean, I played with some great, great hitters in my career, um, and the best hitters that I played with played the, game, the, the situation of the game. 
Okay, if, if it, this calls for me to hit a hard ball up the middle to get a run, I'm going to try and do that. I'm not just going to try and turn and hit one out of the ballpark every every time I come up to the plate because guys will start taking advantage of that. And I think that's lost in the game right now. Do you think a team that is a, a pretty good major league team but, you know, not a World Series contender, do you, do you honestly believe that a team that uh, like that could adopt – this type of philosophy and immediately put themselves into contention by just by playing team baseball? Do you think it could have that big of an impact on a team? I do. If you don't have the, if you don't have the guys who can, you know, nowadays, it's, you know, three or four guys who can hit 30 or 40 home runs, um, how are you going to compete with these teams if you have one guy like that on your team? And the rest guys hit the rest of the guys hit 15 home runs, but hit for low averages and low on base percentages. Um, you're not going to compete. You better have you know the best pitching staff in the league. So you know there's just there's a lot of ways to win baseball games, and it's not just by the home run. I don't know if you get a chance to watch much college baseball, but the kind of game that you just described to me is what you see at all levels of college baseball. And if you listen to other figured out baseball podcasts where and we have college coaches on the on the podcast, and, and this is we, we start getting into uh, you know things about what you know what it takes to create a, a winning team. Because in college, at least for the coaching staff, and, and certainly I think for the players as well, but there's a, there's much more of a focus on winning. You know, winning is a pretty big deal because a lot of these guys aren't going to get a chance to play pro ball, especially outside of you know Power Five conference. You know, most of the guys in the team aren't going to play beyond college, and, and what. They they're not worried about contracts or or you know uh, getting released or anything else. They're just really concerned about winning. And what you just described is, in my opinion, what you see at almost every level of college baseball, where you have guys that are able to hit behind runners. You have guys that are able to play the game situationally. You have uh, you know managers that are that are thinking situationally that don't mind sacrifice bunting in, in particular times or, or you know that are encouraging. Uh, they're, they're hitters to do, do, do different things situationally, move runners from second, you know, guy on third base, less than two outs, infield back. Go ahead and hit a ground ball in the middle of the field. Let's score that run. Um, I, I think that you see that outside of Major League Baseball or outside of really pro baseball, but it's like once these guys get drafted and come into the, the minor league systems, that's when they're really being taught or told that this is what has to happen. And it's just it's amazing how the game has, has transitioned to that. Um, you mentioned analytics earlier, Jeff, and you know I, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. Just kind of always have been. It's just kind of how how I think, and I I, I like I like some analytics numbers. Uh, some of them not you know some of them are over my head for sure, and some of them mean more to me than others, and you know some of them don't mean a lot to me. Uh, what, what's your thought on just analytics in general coming into the game? I, I know for a lot of people out there, they were kind of first introduced to it. Uh, with Moneyball and and uh, you know those A's teams and the movie coming out and things like that, um, what, I guess what's your opinion on analytics overall making its way to the game? Do you think that? Well, let me just let me just stop right there and just stop myself. <laughs> what do you think of analytics overall just becoming more of a part of baseball? I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I, I agree that analytics can be useful in some situations. Um, but I don't agree. I, to me, what analytics has done to baseball is pave the way for so many people to now work for organizations that know nothing about baseball, based strictly on numbers. And now, so many baseball people that have been 
in the game their whole lives, their opinions don't matter anymore. And to me, that's a crime. That some guy who's been a scout or a coach or a player for 40 years of his life and has seen this game evolve over the years, now he doesn't have any say but the 20-year-old from from Harvard um, has more say than he does, more pull, just based on what he can show by the numbers. And I think that's, I don't think that's right. And I, you know, granted, you know, I pretty much knew what my batting average is at, before I got to first base, if I got a base hit. <laughs> I always kept track of that. Growing up as a kid, we, you know, the way we looked at walk, the way I watched baseball was like, if you don't have a good batting average, you're not a good hitter. Or if you're not at least a good batting average, some home runs, RBIs, or stolen bases, runs scored, those were the numbers to me that mattered. And wins and losses. And to me now, it's, you know, this analytics, what it's brought about is the shift. These are where the guys hit the ball, this percentage of time. So let's completely change how we defense everybody and... Um, the funniest thing I heard was when they were talking about outlawing the shift. I thought that was like, man, I mean, so this guy's either too stubborn to try and hit the ball the other way or incapable of hitting the ball the other way. So let's make it easier for him and say, you can't play there anymore. To me, that's a complete joke. You know, they haven't done it. They, they kicked it around about doing that. I was like, man, what's this game getting to now? I mean, we, we tell players where they can play because these guys can't adjust anymore. That was the thing when we came up. They, the guys who are in the big leagues aren't always the most talented. There's plenty of plenty of talented guys who never make it, who either couldn't handle being in the spotlight or can't make adjustments quick enough. So I'm not a big fan of all the analytics. I know there, it has some value. I'm not going to deny that. But not as much value as they're giving it. When you, when you heard about potentially banning the shift, did you laugh about that because you just thought how ridiculous that it was that hitters won't make adjustments so that so the commissioners are going to step in and do something about it? Was that the part that was amusing to you or was it something different? Yes. Yeah, that, that's the part that's amusing. And, you know, I've said a few things about the commissioner on my Twitter and uh, just because I think that, uh, you know, if you're the man in charge of this game, you got to, you know, you got to write the ship and, and so many things that in my opinion, that aren't important are being changed in the game. This game has been going on for, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a book on my shelf of 100 years of baseball. I've had it for 20-some years. Um, this game's been played a long time by some great players. And so now, because baseball is boring, because it's only home runs and strikeouts, we have to do something to speed it up because people are tired of watching it. So let's say a pitcher has to face three guys now. Let's say, um, you know, let's have a pitch clock. Let's say in the minor leagues this year, believe it or not, in A ball and below, or they're talking about um, pitchers have to step off before they can go to a base. So the days of the great pickoff moves with with uh, Andy Pettit and Kenny Rogers in those days, those, those, that's gone now because um, we're going to change the rules. And I think there's too many rules being changed to speed up the game um, just because people don't want to watch it because it's boring, and it's boring because it's only home runs and strikeouts. I don't know if you get a chance to go to many minor league games either. We talked about, just mentioned college games earlier, but I live in a minor league town. There's a double-A team in Altoona. 
minor league games, nine inning game, takes about, on average, I'd say two hours and 40 minutes. Now, I don't know what happens from AA to the big leagues where games take, you know, regularly take three hours and 15 minutes or three hour, three and a half hours, uh, but something happens there. And it, it, minor league games are, are a lot of fun to watch. And I've, I've seen people online that say, well, if you don't like the game at three and a half hours, then, you know, don't watch it and watch something else. I, I love baseball. I'm going to watch baseball regardless. But to me, a game that's fast-paced uh, where – you know, pitcher gets the ball, gets on the mound, and delivers a pitch pretty quickly to kind of keep things moving. Like that's a fun game to watch. That's kind of the college game. That's minor league baseball. It's everywhere, but but major league baseball. I don't know where the breakdown is, but I agree with you that a lot of the rules that are in place to try to speed it up, they're just they're they're nonsense. Like you know, a, when you're going to intentionally walk someone, now you don't have to throw four pitches to home plate. You know, does that does that really speed the game up? I mean, how many intentional walks are there? And it's kind of the same right. with a, a lot of other things. It's just uh, it, some a lot of it is, is to me is just they're they're really barking up the wrong tree in a, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and one of the things you mentioned earlier about the college game, um, I know they do play the small ball, but, but to me the college game is almost like the minor leagues of the minor leagues. Okay, so not everybody on these teams is going to have a career, professional career, but some of them are, and so. The guys who are playing for you know these really big time programs that uh, you know that, that are everyday players who have a chance to play professional baseball. In my opinion, a lot of the things they do is not preparing them for pro ball. And the biggest thing I see is that the bunting. I agree. There's times to bunt in a baseball game. The first inning. When the first two guys get on, three-hole hitter bunting is not the right time, in my opinion. If he's not your best hitter, then put your best hitter in the three-hole because we're getting ready to have a big inning. And to me, they play for one run every inning. And runner on second, leadoff double, the next guy's bunting 95% of the time. If he's your two-hole hitter, uh, why can't he hit a ground ball to the right side? He might get a base hit, and now we got a big rally going. And that's one of the things that I didn't like or I don't like about college baseball, and a lot of times in high school baseball, too. It's like, let these guys handle the bat. They're going to have to learn how to do this. I think we put too much of an emphasis on winning at the developmental level. And I mean, when you get paid to win ball games, it's a little bit different. Yeah, and a lot of the college programs I, you know, that I've been around or that I've been a part of, uh, I think would agree with just what you said. You're not going to bunt in the first inning if your first two guys get on and your three-hole hitter comes up. Um, uh, I, I think that you see a, a lot of teams that would that would agree with you and, and agree with what you know what you think. Let that let that guy that's getting paid, uh, you know, literally in scholarship money. Let that guy that's getting paid to be in the middle of the order be in the middle of the order and and drive some people in. Um, you know, but it's with the once guys get drafted and they're in the minor leagues, then you know they're 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 a lot of the guys are being told you know what what it's going to take to get to the big leagues, which is you know hit you got to hit doubles and home runs if you're going to get there at this point, and it's uh, and I think that's obviously what we're all what we're all coming back to. So uh, Jeff, just to kind of go back to the very beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that it was one of the reasons you started doing this was because of the information that's out there to kids and parents, um, and you know, I, I think that you have a, a concern that's similar to me with kind of one of the reasons why I started figuring out baseball is that you you want 
people to have good information. Um, what's what's the most upset? One of the most upsetting things to you about what these guys are are, are teaching? So just going back to Twitter and, and a lot of the uh, guys that have big followings and and guys that get a lot of views for their videos and what they're teaching online. What are, what are some of the most disturbing things that you see? Just generally speaking, like when you read them or see them and you think, my gosh, I hope. Like, kids can't do this kind of stuff. How could you possibly be teaching this to a kid? What are some of the most concerning things that you see on social media right now? Well, it's the, it's the cookie cutter. It's the cookie cutter way of teaching where we're going to teach everybody to hit the same way. And when I see these videos of these kids hitting, they're teaching them all to swing the same way. You have to do this, you know, drop your elbow in the slot and you have to get your hip you know, your body twisted to where you feel this tension like a rubber band and then you explode and everything's on your back leg and everything's um, up up in the air. And it's just not, I mean, it's just, I don't believe in it. And there's a lot of guys that I'm friends with and, and have played with and against and in organizations that don't believe it. And, you know, I heard talk to a, a front office executive for a major league baseball team yesterday told me, he said, we have to fix these guys when they get here. A lot of these guys are learning all this crazy stuff, and they get here and they can't hit, and we have to change them. And it's not, um, you know, like I've been saying all along, we're all different. We all have our own unique styles, and, and uh, you know, we can all be successful doing it the way that we're doing it. And I think um, one of the other problems on um, Twitter was that, uh, the backlash from these guys that have no, no, basically no playing experience, attacking major leaguers and saying that the game has changed and we don't know anything and that we were no good. Like, I mean, if you've ever played major league baseball, you're a pretty prideful guy most times, and to, to have somebody who um, basically looks, you know, sits in in his basement, and looks at videos of, of, of superstars and says, "This is how you have to hit now." telling you that you're no good it's kind of hard to take not many guys are going to take that so is there argument with you when you're getting backlash is it that is it that you don't know how to teach a hitter or is that you know well major leaguers in general like just because you did it doesn't mean you you know how to teach it is that their argument towards you or is it or is it that you know you don't know what you're talking about because you were this kind of hitter but now a different kind of hitter uh is successful in a major league like what's What's kind of been their, uh, I guess, the, the beef and the backlash for you? It, it, which, which one of those is it, or is it something different? Oh, it's, it's just basically that this is how you have to do it now. We found the secret to hitting, and these are all the things that each hitter has to do to be successful. And, and they look at it. It all starts with, you know, your weight back um, and kind of, you know, creating this, swing with loft in it to hit the ball in the air because ground balls aren't, aren't sexy anymore. Good hitters don't hit ground balls. What does a good hitting coach do, in your opinion? You know, someone that's, that, that maybe uh, has, a, has a facility, you know, gives lessons, coaches young hitters, what, what are the things that make a hitting coach a good hitting coach, in your opinion? Um, somebody that's willing to work with you and your swing. Okay, that you're going to make you the best. You know, if, if somebody has, you know, obvious things that he's doing wrong, you want to correct that. You know, if, if it looks like 
this swing and will never play, you obviously want to help somebody make some adjustments in that swing. But um, you know, your swing is your swing. You can make minor adjustments for the most part, but um, I just don't think that you can go in and make wholesale changes and say this is never going to work and and this is how you have to do it because I keep going back to this, but there's more than one way to do this, not just this way. And how can somebody who's never played beyond college or high school say that this is how you have to hit now to be successful at the next level? They don't know. They've never been to the next level. They were never successful at the next level. And the other the other backlash is that you know none of us are saying you have to have been a major leaguer to be a good coach. I had major league coaches that weren't good coaches. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I had some great coaches that only played in college. Um, Nobody's saying you have to have played, but also don't say your way is the only way to be successful anymore because the game has changed. Is part of what you're saying that no amount of, you know, watching video or anything can, uh, your experience as a major leaguer and other guys who have played in the major leagues, the experience that you've had at that level and what you have personally experienced as far as what what you need to do to be successful just part of what you're uh, part of your goals part of what you're after to say that this experience is invaluable like there's there's no amount of video you can watch to teach you what I learned from being there I mean, is that part of what you're yeah. what you're after and why you're doing what you're doing I mean I don't know if it's why I'm doing what I'm doing I mean I, I started out doing this kind of just goofing around and then uh, when I saw everybody kind of rallying around saying keep it up Jeff this, these guys need to be exposed because these guys who are teaching this are um, very disrespectful and, 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 and rude to guys who have been in this game their whole life and you know I mean if I'm sick and I go to the doctor I'm going to go to you know a qualified doctor I'm not just going to go to somebody who um, went online and became a doctor, if that's even possible. Um, somebody who's, who's been through it. And, you know, I want to go to somebody, an expert, somebody who knows, somebody who's lived it, and um, or at least has an idea what it's about, not just, I've watched this video for years, and now this is how you have to hit. These other guys didn't know what they were talking about. This is what you have to do. And if you do this, you can make the major leagues. I mean, to me, it's laughable. So if I'm a young kid and I'm going to get lessons and I'm, I am roughly your size and, uh, you know, went to college around a similar size, again, to what you were in, in your in your playing days. And, you know, if I'm going to a hitting coach now, what should be some flags to me that, that maybe this guy is not the guy that I should be coming to? Like if I'm, if I'm a high school player and I just, I don't have much power, like I can, I can square a ball up. You know, I can hit I can hit singles and doubles, and I can hit for a high batting average, and I'm going to get lessons right now because this is an issue that I have personally. I think there are a lot of hitting coaches out there that are ruining kids, and this is a it's it's a it's a really big personal it's a personal issue with me because I think there are a lot of good hitters out there who are made to be worse uh, by their hitting coaches, and there are a lot of hitters out there that I think um, probably players in general that, that quit because they're taught things that are going to make them worse, and then you know as well as anybody, Jeff, that if if you hit 205, for it's not very much fun, and you're probably not likely to keep playing. And I think that that a lot of it is because of what guys are being taught. So if I'm 
if I'm not a, a guy that just has natural power right now, no matter what age or, or, or anything else, if I'm going to get lessons from somebody, what are some red flags that you would see um, or hear, I guess, just maybe you're a parent of, of a kid uh, or maybe you're a 15-year-old and there's a 15-year-old listening to this podcast, what would be a red flag that you would maybe as a, as a parent or kid say, maybe this guy's not someone I should be listening to. If you're not a power guy, like what are some things you might be hearing from a hitting coach that would send up red flags for you that maybe you need to look for somebody else? Well, if he walk in, he's wearing blue jeans, I'd turn around and walk out. If he hands you a, if he hands you a PVC pipe or a spatula or a bowl, I'd walk out, okay? Um, those on Twitter. Um, I think, you know, as an undersized guy, you know, you, you need to hit line drives, you need to hit ground balls. So if you give him a coach and he looks at you and you're a smaller guy and you can tell you're not strong enough and he's telling you you need to lift the ball and hit underneath the ball and hit fly balls, top of the cage, immediately to me that's the red flag that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because um, I'm not going to be a power hitter most likely. I mean, and there's a lot of guys in the major league, you talked about this earlier, that are hitting a lot of home runs because this baseball is like a Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, they used the Major League Baseball in AAA last year for the first time. The home runs almost doubled. So anybody that says the Major League Baseball is not juiced is <laughs> full of it. Um, we'll see this year because they plan on using the Major League Baseball in AA this year. We'll see how many, how many home runs AA hits more this year than last year. And I think part of the reason for that is because there's not enough offense in the game, and we have to get more offense to keep the fans interested. And anyway, I'm, I'm sorry I strayed away, but I mean I think there's obvious signs. Unfortunately, parents um, think that they have to bring Johnny in for a lesson once a week because he didn't get any hits in his little league game. And I just think there's too much in that that uh, let your kids play and have fun and go home and, and don't talk about the game because if they want to be good at this game and they want to work at it they can get better and very few people ever have a chance to play professional in the first place so you know I don't think people should be spending their time focused on turning their 12 year old into a professional so I think that from a parent's perspective and I'm not I'm not advocating this in any way but I'm just I'm going to play some devil's advocate to some of this stuff because I think this is this is an important debate, um, and it's, it's a debate I don't I think a lot of people don't have answers to. Um, I'm a parent of a 12 year old, and I think my 12 year old's got some talent, but he's, you know, I, I've got to motivate him to work. I've got to motivate him to get out there and practice. So I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna sign I'm gonna sign him up for lessons because I want him to be as good as he can. Because as a parent, you know, a hypothetical parent. There are other 12-year-olds around my 12-year-old that are going to get uh, lessons, and if I don't take my kid to lessons, and if I don't get him personal lessons, and if I don't have a he doesn't have a personal hitting coach and a personal pitching coach, and if I don't put him on a travel ball team at 12 years old that that's like traveling all over the place, then then my kid's going to fall behind, and by the time he gets to be 15, 16, 17. He's going to be so far behind, he's not going to be able to catch up, and he's not going to get a scholarship, and he's not going to play pro ball. Like, I really legitimately think this is the conversation that's happening in the head of, of a parent who just, you know, when, it, when you really break it down, just wants the best for their kid and, and wants their kid to be successful, be in a position to be successful. What would your reaction be or your response be to a parent who, who is sitting in that chair right now having those thoughts and thinking that if my kid doesn't do this, they're going to fall behind because so many kids are specializing at a young age, 
I mean, really, Jeff, you see travel teams for like eight, nine-year-olds. Uh, they're like taking it really, really seriously. So what's your reaction to that, just where youth baseball has gotten right now? Well, if you're 12-year-old, if you have to encourage your 12-year-old to go outside and he doesn't do it on his own, he's not going to want to work at it enough to ever make it anyway. Let him focus on what he wants to do. Um, you can't want it for them. They either want it or they don't. And, I mean, like you said about the, the travel ball, you know, I mean, I'm having people reach out to me saying, hey, my 8-year-old's just started playing. You give lessons or anything, you can, you know, tell me. I was like, yeah, let him go play and have fun. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Because, you know, I played this game for a long time because I loved it. It was fun to me. And I always told myself, whenever it's not fun anymore, I'm going home. I mean, hopefully I get to make that decision that's not made for me. And that's what happened in my career. It just became where my body was hurt and it was painful and it wasn't fun anymore and I stopped playing. But if kids don't want to do it, they're not going to be good at it. Just like anything in life, if you're not willing to work at it and, and dedicate yourself to it, chances are you're not going to be very successful at it. Let's go back to the the hitting coach idea, you know, you kind of gave your opinion on what, you know, the hitting coach of, of a, of a smaller guy that's not a big power guy, not going to, he's not, maybe physically cannot hit the ball over the fence, or if he does, it's going to be everything he's got. It's going to be right down the line, and that's about all he can do. What about the opposite? Maybe you've got, um, you know, you, 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 a hitter is, is in high school, say, and he's, he's a bigger stature guy, and he's somebody that you feel like, really does have a chance to hit for power, uh, whether it's in high school or college or whatever. What what do you think are good uh, are signs of a good hitting coach for that guy? You know, do you think that that guy needs to be doing some different things than the guy who's in high school at, at you know, 5'9", 140 pounds? Maybe you've got a bigger guy who is 6'2", 190 pounds in high school. Uh, what what do you think a good hitting coach is teaching that guy to do? Is that guy, you know, should that type of kid be uh, be being taught to hit the ball in the air and try to hit the ball over the wall? Or do you think even that player – at 16, 17, 18 years old should still be learning to, you know, hit line drives to all parts of the field. What's your opinion on that, Jeff? I think everybody should be taught to hit line drives. I think, you know, some guys have that natural arc in their swing that generates more home runs, but, you know, what I always say is just hit the ball hard. The guys who hit the ball hard the most frequently are the best hitters. And, Eventually, those guys get bigger and stronger, and they start learning. Maybe they're starting to learn how to adjust their swing to create some loft. But by 16, 17, you pretty much, your swing's pretty much uh, your swing. You've probably been playing for 10 years by now. This is the swing that's got you to where you are. I don't think it's time to say, okay, now um, now you got to start hitting the ball over the fence. That usually doesn't work out very well. So if you're already a good hitter in high school, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, the thing that's never talked about is the mental side of the game, which is way more important than any of the physical side of the game. And having an idea of what you're going to do before you get in that batter's box, to me, is more important than anything. And, you know, it's just something that uh, you don't hear talked about anymore. Um, it's all about the swing. And I was telling a buddy of mine the other day, a guy who played uh, minor league baseball, scouted, the video coordinator for eight years in the big leagues. We 
with you know some great great hitters and um, I said you know I don't ever remember sitting around talking to my teammates or coaches I don't ever remember talking about my swing it was about my at bat my approach how the pitcher pitched me but not the mechanics of my swing that never even came into play and now it's all about the swing you have to have this swing to be successful you told me that one of our previous conversations that you know to your recollection throughout the minor leagues you don't know if you ever had a minor league coach talk to you about your swing mechanically um, and maybe they all just they, they thought you had good mechanics so for people that are uh, sort of engrossed in the game today where it is all about mechanics and about you've got to have this perfect swing what are some things that you heard from coaches when you talk about uh, talk about approach talk about the plan the plate like I think there are people out there Jeff who probably just that's that's the first time maybe you've ever heard something like that, or they don't know what that is or what that means. Can you give us an, give me a few examples of you know what what does it mean to have an approach? What's a when you were successful as a hitter, what was your approach going to the plate? You know what were you thinking? What was your game plan? Well, first off, I knew generally um, who I was facing. I knew you know what pitches he threw, maybe how he had pitched me in the past. Um, and so, I mean, my whole mindset was I'm going in here I'm looking for a fastball to drive, okay? If it's a situation where I need to hit the ball to the right side, um, potentially move a runner over or a hit-and-run situation, I would move off the plate, turn the inside corner to the middle of the plate, and um, look the other way. Um, if it's a situation where there's two outs and nobody, two outs and nobody on, I'm trying to pull... You know, I'm trying to hit a double. I try to get on top of the plate and hook one down the line. Um, and I always looked for little things during the game. I watched everything. I watched how the pitcher held the ball. I watched um, who was covering second base if there was a run on first base so I would know where I was trying to hit the ball. I couldn't always do it, but I was pretty successful at a lot of times doing that. And... You know, my plan was to go in there and look for a fastball and try and hit it hard somewhere. And if I got two strikes, I basically eliminated the inside third of the plate. I said, all right, I'm going to throw me a fastball. I'm going to hit it up the middle or the right field or right center. And that way I have enough time to stay back and adjust on the off-speed pitches. And, you know, there's, I mean, there were times in the game when I went up there with really no plan. All right, we're winning by nine runs. We're losing by nine runs in the ninth. And I'm going to try to hit a homer. And I was unsuccessful almost every single time. <laughs> but when I went up there and just had a quality at bat and stayed within myself um, and tried to hit the ball hard, I was a lot more successful. Did you, generally speaking, go up with a plan to hit the ball in the middle of the field? Did you try to stay from gap to gap, did you have uh, a right center approach, a left center approach? Did you did you have that? Generally speaking, is uh, to help to help you mechanically to uh, to keep you on off speed pitches. Anything like that? That did you have sort of a part of the field that you were trying to, you know, when it's not a, any certain sort of certain situation, you know, you're leading off an inning or one out, nobody on. Just did you have anything like that 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 kind of helped you to stay uh, within that approach? Well, it just depended on who was pitching. It depended on the situation of the game, and it changed every time. Um, you know, if I'm coming up in the 
I'm coming up in the ninth inning and we're down by a run. I'm just trying to get on base, whether by a walk, hit by pitch, base hit, bunt, whatever. My job is to get on base. So it just varied depending on so many different variables, the pitcher, the score of the game, how I was feeling at the time. If I was um, struggling, what helped me was trying to hit the ball right back up the middle. That usually got me back locked in. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I played with a great hitter in Boston named Mo Vaughn. Um, guy was MVP one year. I mean, kind of an unorthodox style of hitting. Left-handed hitter who hit the ball better to left field than right field. You know, so Fenway Park was a great place for him to hit. And whenever I talked to him about hitting, whenever he would get um, in a little funk, I'd say, man, stay back. Use that green monster. As soon as he did, he'd get back locked in. And that's what a lot of guys do. Whenever you, a lot of times you get pull happy and start your shoulders flying out and you're, you know, you're late on everything or whatever. And uh, stay up the middle, keep that shoulder square, and eventually it'll get back to you. That's what I was taught as a kid. That's what always worked for me. And it's, um, it's difficult for me. Right, it worked for me all the time, and same thing with you. If I was in a slump, if I was just if I was not hitting well, that that was my focus. I was trying to I was trying to hit a line drive right past the pitcher, and that's what I was always trying to do. And that's what my dad taught me from you know I was a little kid, and and that's kind of what I what I always did. And and it's difficult for me, and I'm not in a position to be able to do much about it other than have these podcasts and and put together a website where hopefully there's some good information out there. But it's difficult for me to see hitting coaches on Twitter who are teaching kids to, you know, hit the ball to uh, to their pull side in the air because, Jeff, if somebody taught me to do that, I I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't, have, I don't know if I would have started in varsity, you know, on, on my high school team. I just, it wasn't going to work for me. And um, that nothing about that, you know, my, my ability was to hit line drives from line to line. That's what I could do. And, and, and I, and I just think that if someone had taught that to me, and that, that is an approach, you know, an approach to go up there looking to hit the ball pull side in the air, so many things go wrong. <laughs> so many things can go wrong, and you almost be, you become very one-dimensional as far as a pitch that you can hit. And it's just difficult for me to see that and see a lot of kids being taught that. And, and uh, you know, kids are that are, I think that, you know, kids want to be the best player they can be, and I think that you can fool kids by saying, well, look at this guy. He's an MVP. He's a major league MVP, and this is how he hits. And it's easy to drink that Kool-Aid, but I think that uh, having voices like yours in the game is is so important. Um, at this point, what has this progressed for you? You've, you've had to talk about this multiple times. You've been on podcasts before this one. You've been you've uh, you've been interviewed, and I know that uh, at least if you're if you're anything like me, and I think probably like a lot of people, the more you talk about it, the more you sort of figure almost figure things out as you're as you kind of say it out loud. What has this progressed? Uh, for you to this point, Jeff, like what is this right now? It, this has been going on for a while on, on Twitter, you know, not terribly long, but, but to this point, like why continue this? Like why, why continue to do it at this point? You know, what does this become for you at this point? What does this mean for you for baseball in general? Like, wh- you know, why, why keep this up? It's almost like a crusade now. <laughs> Everybody's, I can't even name, I can't even tell you how many people are telling me, they've needed this. Please keep doing this, Jeff. These guys need to be exposed. And I'm not talking about just dads or baseball fans. I'm talking about 
people in the scouting industry, people in college baseball, people in the minor leagues baseball and major league baseball and front offices. Everybody has seen what has happened to our game and the change um, with the fly ball and strikeouts and the walks and um, nobody. I, I don't really. I guess I'm kind of late to the party, but I, you know, I didn't realize that uh, it was this bad and that uh, you know everybody's wanting me to keep doing it. First off, they love the videos just because it's a joke. You know, you'd be surprised. Some people think the videos were serious. I've got comments <laughs> like, "I can't believe you're teaching this to kids." And I'm like, "Do well, you think that?" I'm sorry. But, I mean, obviously, it's it's not serious. It's just kind of poking fun and maybe opens people's eyes and say, "Wait a minute, this is that that's what the guy that I take my son to teaches." You know, maybe people will start <laughs> realizing there's a lot of these guys out there that uh, are you know basically teaching the groove swing, and if you throw it down and in, they can drop that head and, and hit it a long way. But um, unfortunately, not every pitch is down and in. One of the things that's been interesting to me, and I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but when I started the website, I was kind of curious to see what college hitting coaches, like what kind of things were they doing? Has the game really, had the game really changed a lot uh, in the couple years since I got out of college coaching? And it seems that what the college hitters, college hitting coaches are teaching hasn't really changed. And uh, it's not like they don't know this other information, but I think that, and this is one of the things I guess that I come back to is they know what works and as a college hitting coach if you're teaching things that don't win you games you're going to get fired if you're teaching things and, you, and your team hits 230 you know with uh, with marginal power numbers you're going to get fired and somebody else is going to take your job and, and you've really got to just produce just like you do as a major leaguer at this point and uh, so that's that part's been been good but one of the things you've said to me before Jeff is that a lot of the guys that are in agreement with you and that are sending you messages or calling you or whatever and saying, hey, great job, keep it up. They can't say anything because they, they work for major league organizations or they're coaching in a, in a, in a college position where it's just, it would, it's not their, um, not their best interest to, to, to verbalize it. And, and a lot of guys are in that position, so they, they just have to block that noise out on Twitter. And, and a lot of the really good hitting coaches out there are in positions where they, they can't be very vocal on Twitter. I know that I've had uh, – guys on, on the website that they got pro jobs and as soon as they get a pro job it's like hey I'm not allowed to I can't give you any more video because the major league organizations they just they want to keep the information to themselves which is understandable but then you don't hear those voices on Twitter anymore and all the, the only guys that are left to really talk uh, a lot of times it seems like are the guys that, that you're sort of having issue with right now and um, and there's so much more noise on that side that I can see why you've heard from so many people saying thank you like we needed this because very few people are in a position to do it. And is that sort of, do you hear that? Like, hey, you're one of the only guys, do you ever hear that, hey, you're one of the only guys in a position to do this? You know, you're kind of speaking for all of us. Is that part of what you hear from guys? A lot. And I understand guys that are working for professional organizations have to be careful because a lot of these guys, the teams are hiring, are teaching this crap. You know, and they know that a lot of them played and had good careers or great careers but they don't want to ruffle feathers because they're getting a paycheck. And if they speak out against somebody that the GM just hired um, who teaches this stuff, they could get fired. And a lot of guys are out of the base, out of baseball because these other guys are now in there teaching this stuff that you know that they couldn't do. But you know, it's almost like they brainwashed the baseball um, community into uh, 
this is how we have to do it now. This is the new way. The game has changed. So unless you, unless you, you know, start accepting this and 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 doing it this way, you're not going to be able to be successful. And these teams are buying into it. I mean, it, to me, it's hilarious. But it's not hilarious to the guys who've lost their jobs because they don't believe in it. The old school baseball guys. I'll be anxious to see what happens in the game if the baseballs are changed. And I, I've heard, uh, I guess I've heard rumors that they, they're trying, uh, you know, maybe there are quote, quotations around that, but, but the baseball is going to go back a little bit and maybe not be quite as juiced uh, in the future. And, if, and if, if home run numbers drop and it's all of a sudden not every guy in the lineup hitting 20 homers anymore, um, I'll be anxious to see if the game goes back to more of a style where, you know, particularly the guys that are not uh, your typical power guys, um, if they go back to trying to hit for high average and that becomes a thing again, and that's something you can get paid to do, you know, and something you can get drafted to. It seems like now there there aren't even many guys drafted that have that tool of just being a, a good guy with barrel control and a guy that has a chance to hit 300 in the big leagues. Like if that guy doesn't profile as a, as a, as a power guy, it's like there aren't that many guys like that around anymore and, uh, or, or that get drafted. And, um, I'll be anxious to see if the game sort of reverts back to that, to that at some point. And I don't know what it's going to take to get there, but, um, a different, I, I'd like a different style of baseball. I've got a three-year-old son and I, I'd like him to be able to watch a good brand of baseball that, that is more than one dimensional and that has some, uh, I guess it has some, it, it takes a little bit of creativity sometimes or it takes a little bit of strategy sometimes to be able to score some runs. I, I, I like that brand of baseball. I like watching. I think a lot of people do, and it sounds like you're one of those guys. Jeff, if you could change one thing, last question before we go, if you could change one thing about the current game right now, you know, just something that might be, a, if you were a commissioner, he's trying to change a lot of things that, that may or may not work, I don't know. But if there's something that you could just kind of flip a switch and change to make the game a little bit more enjoyable to watch as a fan or maybe a little more, uh, I, I guess, a game that would be familiar to guys that played in your era in the 90s, early 2000s. If there's one thing that you could kind of pinpoint to change, what would, what would it be, if anything? Uh, uh, first thing I would do would be eliminate instant replay. I think instant replay has led to a lot of the problems in the game right now and all the way up to the Astros um, cheating scandal that um, allowing technology um, in the dugout, behind the dugout, where guys can um, look at video of their last at bat or, I mean, to the extent that the Astros did it with the cheating, tapping and hitting the garbage can. Um, I think that all can be attributed to the fact that instant replay was brought into the game. Baseball's a game played by human beings, and we're not perfect. And it was fine, you know, for the first 140 years, and now all of a sudden we have to get every single call correct. Okay? And so replay wasn't brought into the game. Um, well, it was brought into the game because there were some calls, the big calls, in the, you know, the few years prior to it that uh, it felt could have been made right if they had a replay system. Well, that's fine. I mean, if you want to have instant replay in the game, use it for home runs down the line, see if they're fair or foul, um, maybe uh, even a, a hit fair um, down the line if they get caught the chalk or whatever. Um, but it's not. it wasn't meant to be in there to see if a guy sliding at second base 
um, who's clearly, say, slides over the base and comes up, one of his pinky barely comes off the base for a millisecond, and now he's out. That's not what the game, what instant replay should be used for baseball. And I think that taking it out and getting back and, you know, I mean, now they're even talking about robot umpires and, you know, <laughs> the stuff they're coming up with is just crazy. It's like, man, robot umpires. I mean, I remember how bad the umpires were when I played. We all thought they were terrible. Um, but they were humans, you know, and we were friends with them. And they're not going to get every call right. We're not going to make every play. Um, let's, let's get back to, you know, humanizing baseball. Let's, let's get strategy back in the game. Um, I mean, to this point, I mean, I heard that the Boston Red Sox this spring training weren't going to practice on bunting at all. I mean, that's the state of our game right now. When one of the best organizations in the last 20 years has decided that bunting is no longer important, that we're not even going to practice it anymore. I mean, can you imagine? It's hard for me to imagine. I, I think that Maybe maybe you and I are in the minority. I don't I don't know as far as baseball fans go is what we like and what we don't what we want to see in the game. The same things you just mentioned. I can't stand the thought of a robo umpire. I can't. Uh, I just I have a difficult time with the National League if if National League were to adopt the DH because to me, I I like when teams have to make moves. I don't particularly like to watch a hitter you know a, a pitcher who hits you know you know one twenty five come to the plate. But I do like when the manager has to make a decision, you know, does he keep that guy in the game or does he pinch hit? I like that. You know, I, I like a double switch. I, I like I just I, I like a manager having to think and, and work through some things and to use his whole team instead of just uh, you know, rolling a lineup out there and, and being able to do whatever he wants because he got the D H and, and I just I, I don't know, to me that's the brand of baseball I like. If I'm in the minority then I am. And I think I feel the same way that you do about replay. Um, I'm all for the obvious play at first base that was that was you know the guy the umpire called him out and he was clearly safe, but I I can't stand and I actually brought, I I tweeted that maybe two years ago a year or two ago that the instant instant replay was not made for the guy that slides into second base is safe and pops up off the base for like you said a millisecond and the middle infielder keeps his glove on him that's not what that's not what replay was was made for that's not why it was brought into the game it was brought into the game to fix the obvious the really obvious calls. You know, like like an out call at first base, or like you said, a home run that was that's fair or foul. Um, you know, or a plate to plate. Did he actually tag him? Did he not tag him? I don't know. I think that I think that there's a place for replay, but I think it's done all wrong. I, I think that the way that Major League Baseball does does instant replays is not a good thing for the game, to me. Um, I agree 100. percent I mean, you know, maybe that play where what's his name, something Galarraga, the kid who was pitching who lost his perfect game. Yeah, for the Tigers. You know, um, it could have been used on that play, but it doesn't need to be used on, uh, you know, I'll put, you know, when I played second base, I was taught not to step on the base on the double play. I would get out of the way because guys were coming in there to try and take you out. So for your safety, you needed to make it appear like you were on the base. But by the time you actually caught the ball, you were off the base. It's called the neighborhood play. Well, that's gone now. Now you can't do that. Now you can't slide in, take a guy out at second base. You can't take the catcher out at home. It's like, let's get back to playing baseball. I miss seeing Billy Martin and Earl Weaver and Lou Pinella uh, arguing with the umpires. We don't argue with the umpires anymore. Now it's all replay. That stuff was fun. 
I miss that stuff. I love when my manager ran out and got on the umpire because he was trying to fire our team up. You don't even see that anymore. You know, that stuff, those are things that, that honestly, my family, you know, when I, I go to games with my dad and my uncle, we got a two-hour drive there and back. Those are things that we talk about, truly. And, again, I don't know if I'm in the minority or not, but I like when a manager comes out and does some things. I like, you know, as a Pirate fan, I like when, I like when Lloyd McClendon comes out of the dugout and, and takes the base out of the ground because he's so fired up and he's mad at the umpires and trying to get his team fired up. And I, I, I miss that kind of stuff. I truly miss that. So, Jeff, you're, I mean, you're a former – you played in the major leagues. If you could go back as a player, would, if you were still playing right now, would you prefer to have an umpire who you thought was trash behind the plate and had a trash strike zone, and you really you, you didn't you thought he was missing a bunch of calls? Would you rather truly? I mean, just be honest with me. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have the robo strike zone uh, that basically got every call right, whether you agreed with it or not? You could go back and watch replay and say, all right, that was a strike. Would you rather have that where it is uh, every every single call out? safe ball strike was 100% correct, or would you rather have the umpires that, that that miss things? If you're playing today, which would you rather have as a player? Honestly, I'd rather have the robot because uh, I can't even tell you how many times I felt like I got screwed over on a call or a strike. And if I knew that um, Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox weren't getting four inches outside the strike zone, I'd have hit a lot better. <laughs> for for uh, the state of the game, I think we need the umpires to make them the calls. Um, you know, that's just the way the game is in place. I don't know. I understand some things change. You gotta you gotta, you gotta uh, adjust, but some things can also stay consistent. And that's based, human beings playing a baseball game on a field um, against each other, and the umpires are you know basically there to. Uh, Make sure everything goes in order, and um, we're not playing this game on the computer. Like I like, I think uh, you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of organizations basically playing on the computer. Maybe, maybe that's what we're going to get to. That someday we just will say, all right, this is our guy, this is your guy. We're going to plug him into this in this program, and we're going to play ten games on here, or eleven games, and whoever wins six wins that day. That way, nobody will get hurt, and just. <laughs> Look at our stats at the end of the year and say, "Oh man, you had a great year. You didn't get hurt at all." <laughs> oh my gosh, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, Jeff, you are a, you're a keynote speaker. I guess last thing before I let you go, I know I've said it already, but last thing before I let you go, you're a keynote speaker. What do, what do people expect to hear from you when they bring you in as a keynote speaker? Uh, and are these the kind of things you talk about? Are you talking to kids about, uh, you know, just you know, being good human beings? What do you talk about when you when you go to an event as a keynote speaker? Basically, I tell my story, my story, my upbringing, uh, how I overcame adversity, and kind of, uh, you know, defy the odds to have a professional baseball career, um, and you know, just to encourage kids that uh, just because people tell you no along the way doesn't mean you can't accomplish what your dreams are, and it's uh, at the end of the day. Um, well, being a good person and a good member of society, um, you know, and a, and a, a loving person um, will make you more happy than anything you do in your professional life. It's a great message. Um, 
Jeff, I've really enjoyed having you here today. This is Jeff Fry, everybody. He's uh, a nine-year Major League vet. He's currently an agent with Fry McCann Sports. He is a keynote speaker, um, does some other things, and, and currently he's uh, he's on a mission on Twitter <laughs> to uh, to set the baseball world straight. Jeff, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. A lot of great information shared, and, and just appreciate your outlook and, and your honesty with things. And uh, again, just want to thank you for for being a part of Figure It Out Baseball podcast today. Well, I appreciate it, Jeff. I enjoyed the conversation, man. Appreciate everything, and best of luck to you. Hope you keep it going. Uh, we'll retweet some things from time to time to help, uh, but check Jeff out, everybody. He's, he's got a lot of pretty amusing things if you take it in the right light. If you check out his Twitter account, um, uh, Jeff Fry, F-R-Y-E, if you haven't, if you don't follow him currently on Twitter. So he's a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun today, and uh, Jeff, just wish your family, we're, we're in the quarantine stage right now uh, of coronavirus, at least in, in Pennsylvania. So hope you and your family, everybody's staying healthy and, and safe down there where you are. And uh, again, uh, appreciate you being on the show and, and best of luck to you going forward. Same to you, Jeff. Same to you, buddy.